the uncertainty and volatility is, is really top of mind for clients. I mean, they are the main things that are on everyone's minds. So diversification effectively allows you to be wrong. It means you don't have to know perfectly what's going to happen. Having diversification means you're not putting all of your effort or really focus into one thing. Writing down what you're trying to achieve and checking back in on that over time is always good. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our Opening Bell podcast. I'm Sarah Minhinek, GM of Capital Markets Origination here at the New Zealand Stock Exchange, and I am with my colleague Doug Rame. 2022 sure has been an interesting start to the year with geopolitical tensions, rising inflation and the ongoing impacts of COVID-19 continuing to shape market conditions. And we know that for many retail investors, this has been a little bit daunting. So today for our podcast, we're really looking forward to having a chat with our special guest who will be able to provide a bit of insight into what's been happening in the market, some tips and tricks during more volatile periods and what we can expect for the year ahead. Thanks, Sarah. Just to get things kick-started here, first we would do a, a quick disclaimer. We have more of a detailed one at the end, but just want to remind everyone this is not a any sort of investment advice. Uh, it's opinion, and uh, we're, we're glad to um, hopefully educate the market a bit on, on that. So with that brief disclaimer, let's get to it and introduce Chris Wilson. Chris is Managing Director and Head of Wealth Solutions at Jarden. So welcome, Chris. Thank you. I think, like Sarah was mentioning earlier, there's a lot of interest and in, in talk about what's going on in the market. Before we do that, though, it would be a good idea just to get a feel for who Jarden is. We know it's an organization that, that's played a key role in the capital markets for 60 years. But if you could just tell us a bit more about Jarden and yourself and your background before we get going, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Jarden has been around for 60 years and probably the, the attraction for me of, of Jarden as an organisation was, look, it has a really broad stretch and has helped, you know, New Zealanders and, you know, achieve both their, their financial investment goals, but New Zealand companies achieve their goals over many, many years. You know, we've supported investment business through, you know, investment banking, capital solutions, you know, we've got an institutional equity component of the business, the wealth advisory side has continued to grow. You know, more recently as well, and I think this is a really exciting part of Jarden is we've expanded into the Australian markets and um, you know, set up an investment banking and institutional equities business in Australia, which has been been really successful and a real start with a global footprint for the Jarden business, which for a company to join and be a part of is really exciting from my side. With respect to, to my role you know, within Jarden, so I'm Head of Wealth Solutions, classically uh, an annual organisation that doesn't really explain too much. Um, so really, most simply, I look, I look after the wealth management advisors. So we've got a team of 70 advisors right throughout the country. But then I also look after actually our direct wealth team, which includes our Jarden Direct platform, which is our DIY investing product as well. So, you know, I think the great thing for me is that it actually covers, you know, the full spectrum of, of service we provide into the retail market in New Zealand. So a really good and, and interesting part in business to be in. And as you said earlier, it's been an interesting time in the markets as well. So it's, uh, it certainly makes for a lot to talk about. Yeah, and it's great to have you here, you know, with your focus on retail, especially as, you know, since the emergence of COVID and more generally over the past couple of years, we have noticed a dramatic increase in retail participation in the markets. You know, it's probably been the biggest re-engagement with equity markets of a generation. What have you noticed in terms of shifts in retail participation and the sort of investors that we're starting to see being involved in the markets? 
Yeah, it's, it has been a couple of levels for us. So, you know, certainly with advisory clients, you know, given, um, you know, the amount of noise, say, events, you know, in Ukraine have and the uncertainty in markets or with the rate environment changing, um, a lot more inbound queries from clients around, you know, what they should do and how to handle these market conditions. I think that the other point through COVID, which has been really interesting, and you talk about that retail participation, is actually just the number of people coming on and coming on board into the DIY platforms, seeking out investment information, education, to enable them to start to invest. And so, you know, I think that dynamics, you know, been really interesting. I think with COVID and certainly in a New Zealand environment, you know, it was an experience where you had some people's incomes were unimpacted by COVID. Obviously, significant parts of the New Zealand economy, though, were really impacted. And, you know, look at tourism, some people's businesses took a, a, a large hit during that period. And so mm-hmm. that was large impacted. But then other people whose incomes weren't impacted uh, actually were in a position where there were no longer overseas trips. Some of the spend that you're making around travel to work, or at home, lunches, dining out, socialising, all of these things stopped. And so the discretionary income or the ability to have some money aside to invest increased. And so, yeah, I think we did see an uplift in people participating in the market from that, you know, which was from a, an investments person, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm really passionate about financial markets and the industry. And so, you know, the more people involved and the and the better educated everyone else, the, the better from my lens. And Chris, did you see, talk about the, in some cases, kind of an uptick in discretionary income. Did you notice there was with kind of the hybrid work environment that's been evolving over the last couple of years, people might have more time on their hands or more, more free time during the day to look at this stuff. Is that something you guys noticed? Yeah, I think with the hybrid and this call and this conversation is a great example. You know, we're doing this on Teams, the ability or willingness of people to to do business online and remotely has increased. And so we've certainly seen that. So that's, you know, in the past, um, and certainly in the wealth business, you know, more traditional, it's a, you know, a handshake and a, an in-person meeting and getting to know and understand the clients and, and having a number of meetings with them face-to-face has moved to people having more confidence to do things online. And so, yeah, I think you've seen that in many industries where online shopping, as an example, has, has exploded through COVID because you had to. And so people who are on the fence around completing transactions or doing things online, that experience changed. And so when you think of, of DIY investing in the same way, you know, the ability for people to, to be at home, to investigate, to look at different providers, look at different options, and then make decisions, it did change. And so, yeah, it has, has led through into probably greater participation and more people being involved in the markets. Interesting. You mentioned earlier there's been some geopolitical things going on that have been quite making investors uncertain. Been a lot of volatility, a lot of all sorts of other news and things to worry about. What are you hearing, I guess, from both the advisory business and the DIY type investors as the things that are they're mainly worried about right now in the market? The uncertainty and volatility is, is really top of mind for clients. I mean, they are the main things that, that are on everyone's minds. I mean, certainly in New Zealand, you know, it's hard to look past you know, where inflation is and, and obviously the, the likely impact on interest rates. You know, certainly within New Zealand, um, again, very New Zealand specific, but uh, house prices are incredibly important and, and what's happening with your house price does have flow throughs to, to the investing market in New Zealand. So if house prices are rising, people's, you know, the wealth effect of housing is there. They have confidence they will take a bit more risk around portfolios. And so, you know, I think the pathway of uh, where interest rates go and potential flow through of cost of living impacts on demand for housing and, and essentially people's effective wealth that they feel will have a flow through onto our business. But at the end of the day, with investing with that longer term view, the actual um, fundamentals of companies, how how companies are performing, how people perceive, I guess, us coming out of the COVID environment and, and removing to what is a new normal and how different companies will respond to that is going to be interesting as well. 
Yeah, it certainly feels like we're kind of into a new phase, both in terms of COVID, but also in terms of the market environment. And I guess we're all hoping that things in the Ukraine will resolve soon, Not, you know, certainly from a humanitarian point, most importantly, but also from a market standpoint. I think choppy markets can be a good reminder that diversification and allocating to different asset classes is very important. What would you say about why this is important and what are your views on how investors should think about diversification? You're absolutely right. Look, diversification and, and sort of I think about it as you know, the classic term of not keeping your eggs in, in one basket. But the way I really think about it is how confident are you around your ability to perfectly predict what's going to happen? And so diversification effectively allows you to be wrong. It means you don't have to know perfectly what's going to happen. Having diversification means you're not putting all of your effort or really focus into one thing. You make sure you've got some balance around your portfolio. And look, that can be across markets, assets, different sectors. Just to make sure that if there is an event, and you know, again, that New Zealand example, if you've got everything into one part of the market and something happens which is completely un- unknown and comes from completely left field, then that can create a real challenge. And so, you know, where we see that diversification is really important that people have that concept. I mean, diversification itself, though, is really only one part for when we think about it. We also think about, you know, that split or the weighting to growth and income assets as well. So how much risk are you actually taking? So, you know, you can have a diversified equity portfolio, which is going to be, you know, a bit more risky than a portfolio that's got bonds, cash, other asset classes in it as well. And so, yeah, we like to think about that diversification, not just at the security level, but right across sectors and other asset classes as well. I think that's a good segue, you know, because you're right, you do need to think about diversification. You know, you also need to think about your portfolio allocations, which is what you were explaining so well. You're in in a nice position to see a bird's eye view of kind of general flows across the Jardin business. What are you seeing? Are most investors sticking to their portfolio allocations and strategy right now, or are they transitioning that into different allocations? It's a really good question and um, one of the tiebacks, I think, to sort of advice and the value of advice is, you know, one of the things that we do and we're really conscious of with our clients is, look, understanding actually what their goals are and what they're trying to achieve and sort of the core part of our role and, you know, the role of financial advisors giving people the best outcomes to achieve those goals. And so, yeah, I think one of the challenges and and one of the values of advice at this stage is when markets do get choppy and things are a bit uncertain, just really checking back with clients on whether something's changed in their life. Have they had a a circumstance change? They've had a business that is, you know, is not as successful as it was being, you know, has their risk appetite changed? You know, is there a reason that they should be changing their position or actually is there an opportunity for them, you know, to look through some of the short-term volatility because actually their long-term goals aren't really impacted by the day-to-day impacts. And so, yeah, the other thing we do do, look, our portfolio, you know, advisors are, managing risk and, and we do have um, really good insights into markets. But again, you know, that's not within all, all the eggs in one basket approach. You know, they are diversified. Look, markets can continue on a pathway that you aren't expecting. And so, yeah, we make sure we've got diversification in our portfolios. But really, the probably the main thing we've seen at the moment is really touching in and touching back with clients, really to explain what's happening in markets. So they're, they're aware of what's going on. They understand what we're doing on their behalf, but also to check that their comfort levels are right because you know, the risk or concern you have, you know, with periods of volatility like this is that people step out of markets completely. They sort of see this volatility as a reason to step away and, and make a decision to not invest and then five years down the track leave themselves off in a worse position than they would otherwise be. And, you know, again, if we're talking and we tend to have very long-term horizons for most of our clients. What are the decisions, what are the steps you're doing today that help you achieve that longer-term goal? And so supporting people through these times of volatility is a key part of that and a key part of that advisor role. 
Yeah, it is a very bespoke situation for every investor because everyone does have different goals and different time horizons. And, you know, keeping that in mind when you are going through these periods of volatility is very important. Do you have any other key tips or tricks for um, retail investors for investing in general? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and, and retail investor in itself is such a broad term. And yeah, I think the remit of kind of the world I look after at Jardin is a, a good example of that. There's still some key things that we do talk about, though, and, and but that range does come, and obviously it is very individual. But really for us, it's making sure you're, you're educated and, and getting out and getting that information. And so you do understand what risk you are taking, what you are investing in, because yeah, I think that's really important. And you, know, you do want to avoid that situation where you're taking risk or effectively getting into things you don't really understand can always be a bit dangerous. You know, one of the other things, and again, this is a, a thing that's much easier to say than do, is, is to keep the emotions out of it. Obviously, within investing, there's always a level of fallacy where you you forget about your um, bad decisions and, and remember those things that you okay. uh, that go well for you and you tend to hold on to for much longer. So one of the things, and again, this is where the, the opportunity of talking to someone else is quite valuable, is you know, it can just allow you to overcome that emotional and essentially take a step back from the emotional aspect of investing, which can be really helpful. Probably another key one for us is, look, we talked earlier, diversification. You just can't be certain what's coming up in the future and, and you know, no one really has that perfect foresight around where things will go to next. And so diversification helps with that. And so having a, a spread of assets and exposure across different markets, different sectors, I think is really important and something we want to make sure that we're seeing. And then probably just the final one at the moment that has been really topical as well is that um, the FOMO effect or the fear of missing out. And, you know, we are starting to see that more. And again, similarly to the COVID stories early when uh, people have a bit more time at home and, and potentially a bit more time on social media, they see things and we see stuff around um, positive stories being amplified. You know, people tend to not focus on their negative outcomes when they talk about investing. And so, you know, other people, it creates this almost hysteria around fear of missing out. And so, you know, just stepping back and trying to remove yourself from that, I think it's really valuable with investing. And so that general overview, we talk about the goals and the long-term nature is that writing down what you're trying to achieve and checking back in on that over time is always good. Chris, do you think, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the volatility and the, and the fears out there, but I guess in all markets, there are opportunities that exist I, from a, without giving specific advice. I mean, just in general, are, are there any opportunities that, that exist to present themselves in these types of markets for those that might be more, want to take more risk or, or look for more opportunities and might be general trends or, or anything like that, but any anything you guys are seeing out there that, that looks enticing. Yeah, I think it's, and, and yeah, no, I won't go into too many specifics on it, but um, where opportunities arise is where some of those things do run a bit further than, than you'd expect or where you have a real difference in peer. I mean, one of the reasons I really enjoy financial markets and why I find it such an interesting dynamic is for every trade and market, there is a, a willing buyer and a willing seller in effect. And so, you know, if you're buying something, that means someone on the other side is needing to sell it or wanting to sell it at that price. And so from a market's perspective, that's really interesting. So, you know, if I see an opportunity and someone's willing to sell me something, they must have a slightly different view than I do. And so, yeah, I think that's where the information and education bit's really important because you always know the person on the other side is doing something as well. And so I think from a market dynamic, yeah, again, it's probably the part around investing that I find most exciting is the fact that, look, you're always in market. There's always people doing the other side of what you're trying to do. And so do you know a bit more than them? Do they know a bit less? You know, what are the drivers that are happening? And 
get the NTX a great example. It's just the market. There's so many different things happening all at once that comes out with a, a price and a, or a share movement at the end of the day. But there's just so many little different transactions occurring right throughout the day that drive to that outcome. And so that's the thing I find really, really interesting about you know, markets and investing in general. So one thing you've mentioned a lot and we've all talked about is, is investor education and kind of ties in with, with this new flow of individual investors potentially that have been coming into the market over the last couple of years. I think it's all easy when the market's going up and no one needs to be that educated. But when things get a little more choppy, that is very important. And we're always stressing that as well. And that's a big part of what why we do these podcasts. What Are there things out there that, that you can suggest that are good for investors to read or, or research or any, any things that you know about that might be helpful? The amount of content available is, is immense. And so, yeah, I think that the really important thing is to cast that net wide around research and information. So, you know, there's a, a huge number of websites and news websites that keep you up on current events and geopolitical things on share trading platforms like our own. You know, we have education and, and investor articles in ZX World as well. There's New Zealand-based websites as well that have got, you know, informational content around investing, around diversification, around the different investor biases that may occur, which is great, I think, for people to really reflect and, and understand, okay, am I falling into any of these traps? Are there any pitfalls in, the, in my approach? Yeah, the other thing I'd, I'd always recommend as well is, look, if you are investing in a company and you know, the NZX is the place to go for it, there's company announcements, there's annual reports, there's updates, there's earning guidance, there's lots of things that come through around companies and from companies with you know, the requirement to disclose all that information. It's it's great. You know, as an investor, you are fully informed of, of what the company's intentions and plans are. And so I think the really important thing, though, is to make sure you are looking to multiple sources, you know, understanding and having an open mind to different viewpoints as well. Um, because there's a lot of value in that, I think, from understanding, you know, how different people look at things. Again, with that willing buyer, willing selling point, yeah, there's always two sides to a lot of these decisions. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for your time. Um, it has been hugely insightful. I know that a lot of people really benefit from hearing this podcast, and um, we feel very lucky today to have had you on the show. Um, you know, you are a guru and an expert in your field, and you do see a huge amount from your position at Jardin. So um, thank you again for everything that you've just shared. One last question before we move to the quick fire round. I know that those of us that work in, in the centre of markets do get asked to sort of haul out our crystal balls from under the desk um, from time to time. We won't hold you to your answer. And again, it's not financial advice, but what are some of the things that you think we might expect to see in the markets both throughout the rest of the year and also into the foreseeable future? It's a good question and obviously the one we always get. It's um yeah, I think that the things we know will, will continue and certainly in that short term, look, there's gonna be some more uncertainty um and volatility in markets in the short term. You know, we expect to see that. Look, our, our wealth research team's views and and you know, we certainly consider these things a lot. Yeah, they see some easing in inflation pressure on the supply chain. So, yeah, obviously with that clogging, so we potentially say see some upside there. But yeah, I think from Vaso that that short term uncertainty around the pathway out from you know both Ukraine, but then COVID and the reopening of sort of global economies definitely weighs on minds at this stage. Excellent. Well, Chris, that we won't put pressure on you anymore to predict the future. We've got our move to the quick fire round. This is something we do for all the guests and just kind of to lighten the mood and ask questions to let our audience get to know who you are outside of business. So I will start. So with the cold weather approaching, and especially here in Wellington, which is where I am, what's your favorite thing to do in the wintertime? 
Yeah, well, it, it's really interesting you mentioned Wales. Yeah, so I'm, I'm originally from Dunedin. So I, I moved up to Auckland a few years ago now. And um, it's actually warm enough in Auckland to be in the water all year round. So I'm, I'm trying to get out kite surfing when I can. I'm sort of teaching my seven-year-old daughter to surf at the moment. So I try to get her in the water at the weekend. So, you know, the, the beauty of it, being in Auckland at this time of year is it's still still warm enough to get in the water with a good wetsuit. That's awesome. I agree. It's been very warm for May. <laughs> and we've also been getting into the water with my family. So long that last. You know, we touched a lot on COVID in this podcast and supply chains. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of agreement in the local economy that it's really important to support local businesses that we love and that we want to see succeed and, you know, be able to continue operating. Do you have a, a favourite local business that you like to support? Yeah, no, there's there's a little cafe, a little French cafe called Chateau Briand, um, just around the corner from our house. And so one of my usual trips at the weekend is is down there with the kids to pick up a pastry and um, then head down to the beach after that. So uh, it was certainly a beach and it got well used during the lockdown periods when um, I was working from home with uh, two small children. We spent a fair bit of time at the beach with uh, myself on the phone talking and the kids roaming around, which was uh, which is very nice. But no, they're, they're a great brunch at Chateau Briand and Alain behind the counter there is uh, a pain, so I think, to teach my children how to speak French, which is um, mixed success so far. <laughs> uh, let me ask you, do you have a favorite inspirational quote or a piece of advice that you've received that you kind of sticks in your head? I've sort of got one that's um, almost a mantra type quote of uh, when you can run, run, when you can walk, walk, when you can crawl, crawl. Whatever you do, don't give up. So um, it's from a, an American ultramarathon runner. Yeah, it's a, obviously related to how to finish an ultramarathon, but, um, you know, it, it sort of applies right across life. You know, it's, it's really will reflect where you are. You know, you're not always going to be able to run. Sometimes you're going to feel like crawling, but, you know, whatever you do, just just keep moving forward. And so, yeah, it's a kind of a nice, uh, nice reflection on, on how you need to approach things, I, f- I find. Yeah, that's good advice. And especially, you know, times have been quite tough for so many in the last couple of years. And I think we could all maybe frame that one and just put it on the wall behind the computer and and keep thinking about that from time to time. Look, we're sitting here podcasting. Um, Do you listen to podcasts yourself? Do you have a favorite podcast that you would recommend to people? Yeah, I do actually. Um, definitely listen to podcasts. So from the running quote, I do a little bit of running, not as enough as I need to, but um, so I listen to podcasts while I run. But yeah, right now, probably my favourite one at the moment is uh, one called Where It Happens. It's about current trends and things driving within business. Yeah, it's got some really innovative guests and, and people involved in it. One of the main guys, Sahil Bloom, is actually, again, one of the, the main people I follow on Twitter who, through a, a very short uh, form content, provides some really interesting insights and, and perceptions of market. So that's probably my go-to at the moment. And Chris, this will be the last question. Are there any people that you look look up to um, for inspiration like throughout your career or throughout history or, or, or people that, uh, that you kind of look up to? Yeah, and, and certainly, you know, one of the beauties of, of Jardiner's organisation, look, we're, we're really fortunate and and sort of the quality and calibre of people internally. And, yeah, I won't I won't mention any internally by name, but there's some, um, some really high-quality people. As far as the external, look, you know, there's a female um, ultra runner and from Greymouth, actually, in the, in the West Coast and South Island, Ruth Croft, who is uh, someone I certainly look up to. I think, you know, she's someone who has, um, you know, got on with things, been incredibly successful overseas, does it with without a lot of fanfare in New Zealand, you know, and just has a, a real determination to succeed. 
succeed and, and do well in her, in her chosen pursuit. And, you know, she's someone who I sort of keep track of and, and always like to end up watching YouTube live feeds of, of races in Europe because it's not an overly uh, publicised sport in New Zealand. But, um, you know, someone that, again, just that real determination to do well and, and you know, does it from, from the base of it's a, a passion and something they hope they really enjoy. And I really respect that. Well, Chris, thank you very much for taking the time to sit with us and, and answer the questions and put some thoughts together so that um, our listeners can get to know you a bit. To our listeners, if you would like to find out more about Jarden, make sure to check out their website at www.jarden.co.nz. And if you have a question, uh, you can send us an email to podcasts at nzx.com. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks again, Chris. We really appreciate it. And um, we will catch up next time. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for listening to the NZX podcast. Tune in to further episodes by subscribing to our channel and let us know what you want to know more about by emailing us at podcast at nzx.com. We would love to hear from you. Until then, catch you next time. The information provided in this podcast is guidance only and intended for general information purposes. It does not constitute investment advice. NZX Limited disclaims all liability for any error, inaccuracy or omission or for any loss suffered through relying on this podcast. Proprietary rights of the podcast are owned or licensed by NZX and no part of this information may be redistributed or reproduced in any forms or by any means without the written consent of NZX.